0: Well, good morning. My name is Barb Beard, and because I'm fairly new, I thought I maybe give you a little bit of background of who I am. Uh, I'm a missionary with Orphans Hope, and so you guys know that your Project Nick and Orphans Hope work together, um, taking care of children around the world. I get to be a part of this. The shelter that you sponsor in Taiwan. A couple of years ago, um, God gave me this gift to get to be involved in establishing a shelter. It's in a rural village of Taiwan. And get this in this village, there has never been a Christian live in that village, there has never been a church in that village. All they know is what their religion, their folk religion, and tells them, and their life is very dominated by the temple and their religion, very strong in ancestor spirits. Um, So guess what? We got to put a children's shelter there. Before that, the children were kind of running the streets and getting in trouble. Now they have a place to come where they get tutoring and help with school, they get a good meal, and it's a family atmosphere where the most important thing is they're getting to know who our God is. They're getting to know about Jesus. And God has done some really amazing, cool things. I had no idea how Much joy there is in helping people, showing people who have never heard, like they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know what is a cross. What is that all about? They don't know anything. There's such joy in getting to tell them. And God has done some amazing things. I feel like we're He's just like moving into that village. It's pretty fun to watch. So I'm just telling you, if you ever want to know more, I have lots of stories. I love seeing what God is doing. That's way out of the box. And like I said, just moving in. Maybe someday you'll want to go to Taiwan with me. I'd love that. So thank you, Heart of Life, for sponsoring that through Project Nick. So my husband Rick and I were missionaries in Taiwan. We had the great joy of being pastors to an international church. That means everybody spoke English. I didn't have to learn Mandarin. yes. (laughs) yes <laughs> I was that's too difficult for me so um, with everybody knowing English we had people f- during our time there from 27 different countries and most of them were university students so a lot of energy a lot of fun it was an incredible experience it was both the most rewarding thing we ever did and the most challenging if you want an adventure go live in a culture where you don't speak the language that's an adventure every day. <laughs> Uh, Lots of things we didn't understand, but we had a good time. But then, um, unexpectedly, my husband Rick had a heart attack in July 2019. Totally unexpected. Nothing had ever given us any indication that he had heart trouble. So guess what? He got promoted. He got to go to heaven. And that's when I came back here in August 2019, thinking, I'll come home for six months, and then I'll go back. And guess what happened in March 2020, right? All of our lives got put on hold. A lot of things got canceled. Taiwan has had its borders shut ever since then. They're gonna start opening up, they say, in August if there's no new outbreaks, right? So today I titled my message, Expect the Unexpected, because if, if we didn't know before, I think probably now we do accept the fact that we're just not in control right? We should expect the unexpected. And that's the way with our whole life, isn't it? There's, um, our lives are full of surprises, full of surprises. But this quote is not original to me. It came from a book that I read years ago, came back to my mind, and it's by Martin Lloyd-Jones, where he says, we must always be prepared for the unexpected when we are dealing with God. We know the unexpected is going to happen. Good surprises, bad surprises, things we never planned on, things we never wanted. But the challenge is, where is God in this picture? What is God doing? What is he doing during these unexpected things that we face? So before we go there, I'd just like to pray, and if you would bow your heads with me, and we'll just start with prayer. Father God, how grateful we are that you are here with us today, that we don't have to wonder if we have your attention. You tell us your eyes are on us. And we're so grateful, God, that you are a God who speaks. You want to have a relationship with with us so much that you gave us your word, had it written down, so anytime we want to hear from you, all we have to do is Look into your word. Thank you for being a God who speaks. Lord, would you speak to us today? Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see spiritual reality and distinguish between what matters on this earth that doesn't matter in the next, God. And especially do a work in our hearts, God, that we might um, receive from you what you have for us today, God. And we'll give you all the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the three words, expect the unexpected, aren't a Bible verse. <laughs> but I do believe that Paul, in his prayer in Ephesians 3, in Ephesians 3 is a prayer by Paul, and we're going to take this prayer apart, and I believe he's telling us how to prepare and how to endure the unexpected things in our life. So if you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians 3, Verses 14 to 21, and first of all, we're just going to read this whole whole prayer. Now, before we get there, I want to say, you know how all through the Bibles, there are prayers just actually written out in the Old Testament, a lot of them in Psalms. We even have a couple prayers that we saw that Jesus prayed, and Paul often just breaks out in prayer. Well, you know what I think about those prayers? I think God is saying, hey, pay attention. This is what I want to do for you. To me, these are like God saying, okay, just ask me to do this. Those are the prayers God wants to answer. So anytime you see a prayer in scripture, just pay attention. God is saying, ask me to do this. So that's what Paul is teaching us here in Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. It starts with, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. <laughs> Wow, what a prayer. So before we get there, I have three questions I want us to think about. I want us to think about them now. I'm hoping there's something you'll even take home and think about. And that first question is, what is God done or what has God done? First question, what has God done in your life that you would describe as super abundantly, over and above, immeasurably more than you've ever asked or imagined? What has God done? You know, in the Old Testament, God is, the Israelites seem to go from one problem to another, right? They, and God often tells them when they're facing a new challenge, he says, Now remember, remember how I led you through the wilderness. Remember when you saw my mighty hand. Remember all the signs and wonders I've done. And then, so it is so good for us to just look back and go, What has God done in my life? It's a good faith builder. But then I notice often after he tells his people, remember, then he says, and tell your children and your grandchildren. God encourages us that we, who have walked with God for a while, we we need to be faithful to pass on our faith. Tell our children and our grandchildren how great God is and what he's done for us. That's important. What has God done in your past? Now, the second question is what is God doing in your life right now that you would describe as super abundantly, immeasurably, over and above all that you've asked or imagined? What is he doing right now? We need to talk about it. We need to encourage each other by talking about what God is doing among us and in us. You know, I've been really encouraged here at Heart of Life. Every once in a while, I hear a story about something a small group is doing or a person is doing here at Heart of Life, and I'm like, yes, God, I love being part of a church that's on mission to make God known, to show the world how great he is. So we need to talk about that. Whatever God is doing for you, Tell others, tell each other. Well, maybe, maybe you think, oh, but I don't see what God is doing. Now, I think we all have seasons when, wow, we're just in awe to see what God is doing. We see him with our eyes. But we have to remember that even when we don't see God working, he is always, always, always at work. And so sometimes we have to just ask God, open my eyes to see, God, what you're doing. Sometimes really what he's doing is something inside of you that other people might not see, something he's teaching you. But God is always at work in your life. And then when we get together, if we would just talk about what God is doing right now, that's one way to build up and encourage our body. So the third question is, what do you expect God to do in your life? in the years ahead, what do you expect God to do? Do you dream big? You know, one thing I really appreciated about Rick is that every day he would take time to pray with me. And he nearly always ended his prayer time by saying this, Oh, God, please let the last years of our life be more fruitful than the first. What a prayer. And I saw God fulfill that prayer in Rick. Rick prayed, God, I want to go strong to the very end. In the Friday night before he had his heart attack on Saturday, Bible study in our home, he got to do what he loved all the way to the end. But what a prayer. Do we look forward to being more fruitful for God's kingdom? The older we get for to do more, are we expecting God to show up in our lives even as life gets harder? God wants to show up. So what do we expect, God? Well, I'm going to start as we go through Ephesians 4, or Ephesians 3, I'm sorry. We're going to start at the end, at verse 20. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. I want to start here because I want to tell you a story. This is a story about my first husband, uh, Bill. So... Bill was my best friend through high school. We married when I was 20. He was a, a believer. He loved the Lord. We had that average, middle-class American life. For the most part, of course, there's ups and downs through everything, but through the, for the most part, we had a pretty ordinary, average, good life, right? You know, the, the average American house, three children involved in our church, lots of friends, all is going good. And he was successful in his job. He, just, he, he was fun, he was positive, it was just a good life. And then, on the day of our 18th anniversary, he had a doctor appointment that I went to with him. He'd had tests a couple weeks before, and we were just going back to get the results. And that day, we were told that he had stage 4 malignant melanoma, and it was already in his lymph nodes and his liver, so he maybe had for or six months to live. That was kind of hard to take. And the odd thing is that his only symptom was that he was tired. So to hear that you have six months to live, how do you process that? Well, I love telling the story of what all God did during that time, but today I'm just going to focus on one part, and that's this verse. Bill said to me at one point, he said, You know, Ephesians 3.20, I think that's my favorite verse. And I thought, that's really cool. So Bill took this, and he really focused on the fact that according to God's power at work within him, he would be able to endure this hard thing in his life in a way that gave glory to God. That's how Bill looked at this. And actually, that's what he did. He was actually kept positive. I never heard him complain. He was one of those guys that had a quiet sense of humor that come out of nowhere and take you off guard. He was just fun to be around. You know, one day um, I heard someone ask Bill, they said, do you ever wonder why me? And do you know Bill's response? He said, why not me? And then he said, you, you do know we all live in a fallen world, and you are aware of the fact that you're gonna die, <laughs> just like I'm gonna die. And that was his attitude. I mean, he did everything the doctors asked him to do. He didn't think, you know, didn't plan on, I mean, he'd fought what he could, but he didn't have, um, he just had a healthy perspective of, guess what? We know this, right? We're all gonna die. <laughs> And so he was just using this time to prepare and and his heart, his positive attitude kept him going. He soared through the first year. Most people had no idea how sick he was. He would go to a chemo treatment, come home, take a nap, and go to work. And doctors were amazed at how well he was going, doing. But at 18 months after his diagnosis, he did get to be promoted too. He got to go to heaven. And I know he was ready for that. That's what um, I'd seen. God give him strength and joy and peace. And our home was not an upset type place to be, even though we were going through this hard thing because of Bill's attitude. It was incredible. But I'm going to tell you what I thought about this verse. I decided that my God is able to do immeasurably more than I can even imagine. So it doesn't matter what the doctors say doesn't matter if they say he doesn't have a chance. My God is going to heal my husband, because that makes the most sense. I mean, at this time, we our three children are teenagers, and they need their dad. So why would God take their dad, right? And what would give God more glory but to heal this man who was told he doesn't have any chance against this um, cancer? So, I believed, somehow I had the idea that if I just believed enough, had 100% faith that my God would do immeasurably more than I can imagine, then God's going to heal my husband. And I wouldn't even let myself think about the fact that he might not make it. So Bill gets promoted to heaven, and guess where I go? I go into a pit of despair and depression thinking, do I even know God? I mean, I was giving him 100% of my faith. I wouldn't even entertain the thought that he might not make it. Why didn't God do what I thought he would do? Well, I want to share with you a quote by Martin Lloyd Jones. And this this is very revealing to me, revealed my heart. We all tend to prescribe the answers to our prayers. We think that God can come in only one way. But scripture teaches us that God sometimes answers our prayers by allowing things to become much worse before they become better. He may sometimes do the opposite of what we anticipate. Yet it's a fundamental principle in the life and walk of faith that we must always be prepared for the unexpected when we are dealing with God. Did you notice that first sentence got me? We tend to prescribe the answers to our prayers. We say to God, here's my need, and here's what you need to do. We basically tell God what to do. I don't know if that's ever struck you as, "Mm, maybe there's something wrong with this picture, of course, he tells us to ask. He, tell, he wants us to come to him and ask. But to say, God, you can only answer my prayer this way. I'm telling you exactly what to do, and this is what, what I'm looking to see. This is what I'm planning on you to do. This is what I expect you to do. Ah, doesn't that seem a little off? Like, is prayer really about God giving us what we want? Or is prayer about God giving us what he wants? Let me say that again. Is prayer about God giving us what we want? Or is prayer about God giving us what he wants? And of those two choices, which is better? Do you want to settle for what you want? Or do you want what God wants? Do you know that we serve the Almighty God, the Creator God, who all he had to do was speak a word? See how powerful his word is? And everything was created. He rules over everything, he has the power to do anything he wants. He is all powerful, almighty, he is all wise. Do you know God never makes a mistake? And then thirdly, God loves us. Do you understand? I don't think we can even grasp how much he loves us. So he always wants the best for us. Just as sometimes the best, his definition of good and my definition of good are not the same sometimes. You ever had that in your life? <laughs> I remember C.S. Lewis makes a quote that he says, I know God is always good. It's just that I don't know how painful his goodness might be. So during that time after Bill passed away, for 18 months, I was seeking God. I was saying, God, do I even have a genuine relationship with you? Do I even know you? Do you even love me? What happened here? And during that time, I found a quote. I, I journal, and so often um, I go back and read my own journals, and I found where I had written this. The depth of my faith is not seen as much when God answers my prayers as when God doesn't answer my prayers and my trust in him never wavers. That's true faith. Maybe you think you have little faith because you don't see God doing what you're asking him to do. You have a true, genuine, strong faith if you keep trusting him. Do you understand That's we um, To me This is what it looks like For God to do immeasurably more Than we ask Like I know that I didn't stay In that pit of despair that God met me There because God Was hanging on to me And God was teaching me and God was revealing Himself to me I mean he could have just let me go I had a pretty bad attitude honestly But God kept working In my life that's more than I would ever dare to imagine that he would be that gracious to me. I think sometimes the reason um, we don't understand what God is doing is because he tells us in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, this is God speaking. And he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know what we need to accept? We are not God. And we don't think like God. And if I have the choice between what I want and what God wants, I hope I always choose what God wants. Because his thoughts are so far beyond mine, he sees the whole picture. And I want to learn to trust him even when I don't understand. All right, well, we're going to go through this prayer of Paul's, where I believe he gives us some resources to help us when we hit those unexpected times in our life. We'll notice, first of all, in verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. I believe what Paul is telling us here is that prayer begins when we humble ourselves before God. We humble ourselves before him. Now, I believe Paul probably was talking about actually kneeling. I'm not, you know, just the posture of kneeling. But it's also a posture of our heart. Like, am I going to go into God's throne room and say, okay, God, well, this is what I want, and this is what I want, and this friend of mine needs this, and this friend of mine needs that? Or am I going to start by saying, oh, God, you are the great and mighty God, and just spend time thinking about who this God is. And if you get a good picture of who God is as you're standing before his throne in prayer, that ought to humble your heart. And we go to God with a heart yielded to want what he wants. So the second thing Paul tells us to pray for in the next verse, he says, pray for inner strength. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There is so much in this one verse that's just incredible. I read it sometimes uh, from other translations, and I noticed that the King James said, I pray that God may grant you from his unlimited resources, and I love that because he's saying this is a gift This isn't just for super spiritual people. This isn't for people who earn it or deserve it. This is a gift. This strength and power that I want to give you in your inner man, it's a gift. All you got to do is ask for it. Do you want it enough to ask for it? Strength to endure and go through the unexpected times. I noticed that at this he focuses on the fact that this is something God does inside of us. And I think often we get discouraged and think God isn't working because we're just looking at the outside. We're expecting God just to do something in our circumstances, to change our circumstances, when what God is wanting to do most often is use those circumstances to do a mighty work inside of us. He wants his power and his spirit to be at work in us so that our faith won't falter. Our faith won't fail. We need f- power sometimes and strength just to keep trusting him. And then we will see and experience the reality that Christ dwells in me. Like somehow I have this supernatural strength to face this hard thing I never wanted because... Of his spirit within us, and we can pray for that. The next um, point that in the next verse, Paul tells us to pray and ask God for an experience of his love. Now, I want you to notice, I hope you'll take this, this scripture passage home and read it again, and just pay attention to how many times Paul uses the two words power and love. So he does it here as well. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You know what he's saying? It takes power to grasp that. Isn't that interesting? He's saying grasp Take a hold of it. Make it yours. He's not saying, I don't want you just to have an intellectual knowledge of me. It's not that you just know that you can say, oh, Jesus loves me, this I know. It's not just a head knowledge. It has to start there. But he wants us to experience, experience his love deep in our heart. That's what gives us the strength to keep going on, the power to keep going on. I think um, that, that is such a key. It's not just head knowledge. It's an experience. And then the next verse, he kind of elaborates. He says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I'm going to stop right there. You know what he just said? I want you to know something that you can never know. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, right? I want you to know this love that's beyond knowing. I mean, once you've experienced this love, it is indescribable. It's hard to describe. Again, he's saying it's not just a head knowledge. It's an experience that you cannot deny. Can I tell you, when, my, when Rick um, had his heart attack and um, they brought to me his clothes, I got in his jean pocket, and he always carried these little scripture cards. He was always memorizing scripture. And the card in his pocket that day was Psalm 26.3. And it says, The steadfast love of the Lord is before my eyes and I walk in his faithfulness. And you don't know how much I needed that verse. Rick actually laid in ICU, hooked up to seven machines, trying to get his body to stay alive. Um, and so every day... I got to visit him 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes at night. We're in Taiwan. It's a lot different there in the hospitals. Let me tell you, we were in a Buddhist hospital. Pretty challenging. But you know that verse? In the morning when I would wake up and I'm like, okay, God, I want to see your steadfast love. I want to see this unfailing love in my eye, before my eyes. Open my eyes to see it. One of the sweetest prayers I've found a long time ago that I pray from Psalm 17, 7, in in the New Living, it just says, show me the wonders of your mighty love. You know, pray like that. When you're discouraged, say, God, just let me see. Let me know. Let me experience your love. That is our greatest, greatest need. He may or may not change our circumstances, but if we have the deep down security of knowing we are loved by an almighty God who never makes a mistake. And even if I don't understand this, he has a purpose and he loves me. He's not going to let me down. He's not going to let go of me. I'm going to get through this and I'm going to learn more about him in the process. It's an experience that he wants us to know. And then he said, may you be filled with to the measure of all The fullness of God. Anybody explain that? Isn't that like can you seriously just try to grasp that? The Almighty, all powerful God who rules over everything in this universe and every other universe that we haven't even discovered yet. That God says He wants to fill me. If that's true, then perhaps I limit God in my life. What do you think? Almighty God wants to fill us. He wants to help us do the hard things. Maybe right now you're in that season where things are good, and I... Uh, Isn't it great that life is like that? There are good things and there are bad things in everybody's life. But whatever we're going through, are are we willing to do the hard things for God? Are we willing to take God out of this box? Are we willing to say, well, that's the way God worked in the past, but maybe he wants to do something different now. God doesn't want to be in a box. Are we going to trust him enough Do you trust him enough to let God have his way and do it his way because his way is always best? And that's what it tells us in verse 20. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. To me that's saying even higher and better than you're even daring to ask him for. Like you're not, you don't even have the the courage to ask him to do bold things. I know I don't. And God's saying, don't limit me. What do you expect from God? What do you expect from the Almighty God in your life? Do you expect life to be hard? I do expect life to be good. I do. <laughs> but you know whatever it is, it's like here's this thing in your life, a big thing. It can be a let's just start with a big difficult thing. Like a boulder in your life. You know what? That that thing isn't the important thing. The important thing is is it pushing you toward God or is it pushing you away from God? It has the potential to do one of two things. That hard thing is either gonna push you to God to draw on his resources of power and love and strength or that thing is gonna harden your heart and push you away from God. What do you expect God to do in your hard thing? Are you gonna keep going to him for everything you need, his boundless resources? You know, the incredible thing about God is that the things he wants to give us are things money cannot buy. We might be able to buy all the comfortable things we need, but we can't do anything to produce peace or hope or joy or strength or wisdom. Those kind of resources are what we really need to face the hard times. We're only going to get them by pushing towards God. And then I also just want to say, maybe you have this great big thing in your life that's really good. I love it when times are like that. But you know what? Be careful. Because that good thing, it can either push you to God in just awe and like, God, I can't believe how good you are to me, or it can push you away from God. It can take you down another path. We need to really pay attention to these unexpected surprises in our life, whether they're good or bad. Are we going to see God in it? And what are we going to expect God to do? And are we going to go towards him? with it or away from him. All of life affects us that way. So then Paul ends with the last verse 21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. This is the purpose of prayer. This is the purpose of every prayer, for God to get the glory, to me, that is like, so the people watching you, and you know there are people watching you. If you claim to be a Christian, they're watching you to see, hey, is, is, is your God real? And our lives are to display the goodness and the greatness of our God. Does our life make Jesus look good? That's the purpose of prayer. Wow. What a prayer. Now, when I look at Paul's prayers, I'm like, wow. <laughs> doesn't sound like the way I pray most of the time, but I want to pray like Paul. Do you? These are the things God is saying to us. This is what I want for you. I want you to experience me outside of the box. Got it? He wants to give us everything we need to keep trusting him, and he'll hang on to us. So as I close... I just want to remind you of those three questions that I started off with. I just want to encourage you. Will you spend time thinking about these and then doing something with them? So let's just remind ourselves. The first question, what has God done in your past? That's way out of the box, right? For me, it's like that he even made himself known to me. That's incredible. I grew up in a home that nobody in my family knew who Jesus was, and we didn't go to church. I mean, we all have those things in our past. God has brought us into his kingdom, and that's huge. Think about those things that God has done in our life in the past, and then what are we going to do with it? When we remember, we need to pass it on, especially tell the younger generations. We want to see the younger generations rise up with our faith. We're responsible for that. Pass it on. Second question, what is God doing right now? What about when we're having coffee, we're standing around after church, what are we talking about? You know what God is teaching me? Do you know what I saw God do this week? Talk about it. That builds each other up. You have no idea how much when you share what you're learning from God or what God is doing in your life, how much that encourages me to hear those stories. We can encourage and build each other that way. And the third thing, let's get a perspective of the future, whether it's a perspective of today or tomorrow or a perspective of this next year. What do we expect God to do? Do you dream big? Do you expect God to do something that's way outside of the box? in your life and maybe corporately as a church, what are we expecting God to do? Are we expecting him to show up with his love and his power to work in our hearts in a way that makes us solidly assure that no matter what happens, he's got this and he's got me. What a great God we serve. What a great God we serve. Let's just bow our heads, and uh, I'm going to give you a minute just to think about those questions or talk to God about it, especially like, God, what do you want me to expect of you in my life right now? Oh, God, we praise you. You, the ruler of heaven and earth, want to dwell with us. Oh, Lord, help us to get a bigger picture of what it means to walk with you, the almighty, all-powerful, all-wise God who is committed to us because you love us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, for anyone right now today who has a big thing in their life, something that they're looking at that looks just really difficult, oh, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them with your power in the inner man so that they might never doubt you, but that even through this hard thing, their faith in you will grow as they come to know and experience your spirit at work within them. And, Lord, would you pour out your love in their heart and open their eyes to see your love in wonderful ways. Lord, that they might never doubt that you love them, no matter how hard it is. That you have a bigger picture. Your thoughts are so far beyond we can understand. And maybe instead of trying to understand, we just need to trust. Trust. Help us to trust you more, God, for you are worthy. You are so worthy. And we look forward to that day when we will see you face to face. And we will say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for you are able to do immeasurably more than I ever imagined. It's all about your glory, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.